Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. This episode is brought to you by Wendy's. The most important thing you can teach your kid is kindness and empathy. There are many ways to bring these lessons to life, and one way we're super excited about is through Wendy's. Yes, Wendy's, your favorite fast food place, has a big heart and an easy way to get your kids into the giving spirit. Now, through the end of December, visit any participating Wendy's to purchase a $2 Frosty key tag. These key tags unlock a free Junior Frosty with any Wendy's purchase for an entire year, making great gifts for pretty much everyone in your life. 85% of all proceeds from key tags sold this November and December go to support the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, whose mission is to dramatically increase the number of adoptions of children waiting in foster care. What a deliciously effective way for your kids to make a difference. Hey, everybody. Hi, friends. Happy Hanukkah. And more importantly, happy holiday entertainment episode. Guys, this episode is jam-packed. It is jam-packed. It's so jam-packed. Carrie, I feel so sorry for you and the editing process. Let's try to keep our mistakes at a minimum. So first up, we have got... The man. The myth. The mystery. The icon. Blippi! I cannot believe we have Blippi. We are talking to Blippi and his new friend Mika. And we are talking to Caitlin Heil, the general manager of Blippi, part of Moonbug Entertainment, and Veronica Pickett, who is the head of Amazon Kids Plus. Because if you didn't figure it out, Blippi's got a new show called Blippi's Treehouse out today on Amazon Kids Plus. And man, we talked to him. We had some behind-the-scenes questions that we needed answered as parents. Yes. And, you know, Blippi is Blippi. He's not going to talk to us about the production aspects of his show. So we're going to hear from those ladies as well. Then we've got... Gabby Hoffman. Again, the woman, the myth, the legend. You know the her. icon. From films from your childhood and TV shows and films from your adulthood. It's a full circle moment with Gabby Hoffman. We're talking about her new movie, Come On, Come On, which I think it was just such an important movie for me to see. It's a really good movie for everyone, but especially parents and caregivers in general. It's so good. I would recommend you guys remember that name, Come On, Come On, because it's going to be coming up during award season. I am pretty positive of that one, my friends. Me too. But as always, we have hashtag swag bag. But up next, we have the highs and the lows. Okay, guys, you know, we usually call this segment something else, but we've partnered with Wendy's for the last couple of episodes, and they're a family-friendly restaurant, and so we are going to be a family-friendly podcast. So instead of our usual, we are calling it the highs and the lows. Ashley, do you want to go first? I do, and I also want to say one more time, because you said it so well in the last episode, we're drinking the Wendy's Frosty instead of the Kool-Aid. I just think that's so cute and funny. Oh, thank you. So my highs and lows are basically all about the episode. My lows are, and I don't know if this is going to get edited out of the interview, but I cried talking to Blippi. It's a low because I am so embarrassed. It was like I was talking to the Beatles or like in sync, or, you know, someone that teenage girls tend to cry over. I don't know, Harry Styles. I'd probably cry talking to Harry Styles these days, but no, it was Blippi. You know, Sebastian got to be part of the interview, and those of you who have been listening for quite some time know that 
he's a stan. Oblivious Sebastian's guy. So, A, it was very important to me. I felt like if this is what I do for a living, if mom podcasting and booking for my mom podcast is what I do for a living, I need to make this happen for my son. My son needs to talk to Blippi. And when we started off the interview, I just started off by saying, you know, thank you so much for what you did for kids during COVID. Because I really believe that that's part of why Sebastian is so attached to Blippi is we were in this incredibly strange time in the world and he couldn't do normal kid things. And all of his normal kid interactions with the world were through Blippi. So although I don't always love watching Blippi myself, it was certainly really nice that my son got this opportunity. So my low is that I cried and I'm embarrassed. And then I said, H-E double hockey sticks. You did. I did, which is, you know, not blippy friendly. But my high is that my son got to talk to him. And also talking to Gabby Hoffman was... A joy. Even beyond that, She is so thoughtful in her motherhood experience in a way that you and I tend to be, even though we sit here and we complain and we, you know, say, oh my God, my kid is driving me crazy today or all the other things that we say. To really talk to somebody who puts so much intention behind their mothering strategy and somebody that I feel like I've grown up with, even though I have never met her before, it was just a really cool, amazing experience. Experience. So she's such a advocate for women in general. Yes. So so to hear her speak about parenting as a woman who really has worked to create a, an identity for women that is more than a mother, it, yes. but also taking such pride and care in being a mother, it was yes. Just, It was wonderful to listen to. She was honest. She was open. She was vulnerable. She was authentic. You guys are going to love it. You guys are going to love this episode. I really can't tell you enough. And you're going to love Come On, Come On after you've listened to this episode and you go and see it. So, Carrie, what are your highs and lows, friend? So, my highs are that... One, Luna got asked to do a school play date with a boy in her class. and Love that. I found out that the reason this mother reached out to me, it's like a twofold, uh, you know, highs, which is that um, her son is a little bit speech delayed. And so she was talking to the teachers and was like, how's he doing? You know, he's going to speech therapy or whatever. And the teacher revealed that not only is Luna helping him speak, but she holds his hand all the time. Aww. And so one of the days I'm often a little bit running late to pick up my daughter. Um, and because we're on like recording with Ashley until the very end I'm like gotta go (laughs) and she said that one of the times that I was said late to pick up Luna Luna came up and said are you Arlo's mom I would really like a play date with you so she went out and reached out to me and they had a really wonderful play date but made me feel really good that my daughter is like you know taking little kids under her wing and trying to be like little hostess with the mostess who would have thought the lunatic has such a kind loving I mean we did know that she's a kind sweet little girl but she is a little bit different in school than she is with me. She is the worst with me, but we always are. I have learned that that's sort of a compliment because they feel safe to explore that with the one that they uh, feel the closest to. As her auntie, I'm very proud of her. Thank you. I am too. The other high was that this mom is really cool and wants to be a mom friend. And we've been texting each other. And it's so weird because it's like dating somebody. I'm like, do I text right after I leave the play date or do I wait two days? Can I compliment her? Don't play games. Never play games. And I don't. And she's been really, as you know, I've talked about this before. I have some social anxiety and I'm a little awkward. Like I talked about when I first moved 
moved in, I, I just walked up to my neighbor and I was like, I have Crocs too. And I wasn't wearing Crocs. <laughs> I sort of had a moment with this mother as well, which is I had been seeing her at pickup and she's got killer style. And so I just offhandedly have just said to her, that's an amazing jumpsuit and just walked away and not said anything else. So when she invited me over for the play date, I was like, oh, you're the jumpsuit woman. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna wear a jumpsuit too. And then she was just like, quiet. <laughs> and then I told you about it. And I told another friend that I had to text her back. I was like, I'm really excited to see, to go come to this play date. I'm sorry if I came in hot with the jumpsuits. I don't know how to talk to people anymore. I'm sorry. And she's like, no, it was hysterical. <laughs> and then I sent her a meme of um, Anthony Hopkins in the jumpsuit from Silence of the Lambs. Did you just call him Anthony Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins, yes. <laughs> That's his theater name. Anthony Hopkins. Also, so weird to ever send somebody um, a picture of a cannibal as a fashion inspiration, you know? <laughs> but like, you do you, That's friend. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. Here's what I look like. Hannibal Lecter. Bye. <laughs> See you at a childhood play date. <laughs> Nothing says it's safe to come into my house with my two vulnerable children like a Hannibal Lecter <laughs> meme. And what are your lows? Um, I guess that one. Yeah, a Hannibal that, Lecter that's meme. a good low. That's a good low. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said Missy Elliott in her super duper fly. That would have been better. That would have been, I venture to say there's Pretty much anything. There was anything better than Hannibal Lecter, but like, you know, like even a jail, like a prison jumpsuit would have been better than Hannibal Lecter. Wendy's, do you no longer want to be our sponsor now that I said <laughs> Hannibal Lecter memes? Sorry. I'm just awkward. I'm not a murderer. I'm just You awkward. are. You're very awkward sometimes, but so am I. You know the drill. We are going to read reviews from you guys, old or new, until we hit a thousand reviews. So you better get writing because we're a long way from a thousand. We are a long way, although this week's is a new review, but uh, we have a long way to go. And if you want us to stop annoying you with rate, review, and follow, then do the right thing, Mom Taraj. And you should also, like I said, take all of your kids' phones that you probably pay for, your partners, your best friends, and just be like, can I borrow your phone for a second? Go your right mom, to Apple Podcasts. Your babysitter. Your nanny, whatever, your nana. Go and just go right to Apple Podcasts and just send a review. I mean, just do it so that we can get to a thousand, please. Yeah, because honestly, as annoyed as you might be, we're probably more annoyed about reading them every week. <laughs> um, all right, Carrie, you want to do the honors? Sure. Do you want me to do it in a voice this time? Remember, Always. I read the last one as a wolf. Okay, what, what voice do you want me to read it? I mean, whatever you're feeling, whatever motivates you. All right, let's see. I do a terrible Australian accent, so let's do oh, this thing. Oh, do it. Relatable. <laughs> From Real LB. LBI? Real LBI. I love this podcast. Isn't too heavy. Motherhood can be heavy, and this makes me laugh through the tears. Love to listen while commuting. Commuting. The, I'm terrible at Australia. I can't do an Australian accent. The audacity you have to call that an Australian accent. Heavy was the only part of the accent that I got right. Is it? <laughs> Did you get that right? <laughs> Thanks, Re. Thanks, Re, LBI. I'm sorry. You probably don't. If you're an LBI, which is Long Beach Island, you probably don't have an Australian accent. But, you know, I just got to do me. See, this is part of it. We're really going to annoy you by having Carrie do an accent. And you guys are going to get real annoyed when she runs out and I start having to do accents. Guys, so. if you have an accent or an impediment that you want me to read, like if you have a, a way that you want me to read these that is so horrifying to me that you want to hear it, you just let us know. I'm, I'm here to make a complete nuisance of myself and for us to laugh through the tears. All right, guys, coming up, Blippi and Mika. 
We've been talking about him for years, and he's finally here! From the new Amazon Kids Plus series launching today, please welcome the stars of the new Blippi's Treehouse, Mika and Blippi! Whoa! Hey! Oh my god, say hi to Blippi! Hi! It's me, Blippi! Hey, do you want to meet someone very special? Hi! <laughs> yeah, it's Mika! Hey, it's me, Blippi. Mika! Yeah, what's your name? Sebastian. Ooh. Sebastian? Yeah. Nice Hi, to meet you, nice Sebastian. To meet you. Oh my God, anything wow. you want to say before we start asking Blippi questions? I love you, Blippi. Aw, I love you too. That's so sweet. Yeah, thank you so much for being my friend. <laughs> As a mom, I'm getting emotional. I just want to say thank you for being there for kids during COVID. Oh my God, I can't believe what's happening to me. Anyway, I'll start it off. Hi, Blippi and Mika. We are so excited to chat with you today and we love your new show. We watched the preview that they sent us, the screener. So how did you guys become friends? How did you become friends? Like Ashley and I became friends. We want to know how you did. Yeah, we've actually been friends for a very long time. Yeah, we have a lot in common. We're both very curious. Yep, we like a lot of the same things. Like Mm -hmm. we like to dance. Yep. And she actually likes to sing more than I do. You want to give them a note? Stop. Uh, (gasps) Whoa, wasn't that beautiful? Oh, that's that voice is kind of like frozen. Oh, oh my goodness, Sebastian said it sounded like frozen. Wow. What a compliment. Wow. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> so we gotta tell you, we've been watching you for a while, and it's mostly been you introducing us to all new things. And now you're introducing us to all new friends. So can you tell us about your new show and how these new friends like Scratch and Patch got involved? Yeah. Well, actually, how Scratch and Patch got involved. Involved. I was actually walking through the forest one time and I saw this really big tree and it was just a tree. And then I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be cool to have a tree house? So then I was like, Mika, Mika, why don't we build a tree house? Yep. And I thought that was a perfect idea because this tree was so cool already. Yeah. <laughs> and we made the tree house. Yeah. And little behold, Patch and Scratch live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cute friends that you saw. Yeah. They're really nice. Yeah. <laughs> we and love act- them. Actually, Scratch knows a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. Her friends are very cool, like construction workers. The paleontologist. Meteorologist. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and Blake? Yeah, you yeah. probably saw Blake, right? She's like an animal influencer. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of new friends on the show, and it is awesome to have friends. They make me very happy. I was just going to say, we've heard, not only aside from Scratch and Patch, I mean, we know that they obviously know a lot of people, but you have some really special friends that are joining you at your new show at the Treehouse. Can you tell us about some of the people that are coming to join you? Every single episode, we have a very special guest that comes. Yep. And they know a lot of things. Yeah, one of my favorites, because I love to sing, was Jordan Sparks came to the Treehouse, and she's a Really good singer. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, and we remember at the Makerspace, we made our own instruments. Yeah, and I made a microphone. Yeah, and we all got to sing with Jordan Sparks. Yeah. Whoa. God, that's fun. Yeah, we yeah. have a huge rock concert. It yeah. was so awesome. Yeah, and say, for example, the dinosaur episode, we actually had a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. And the pets episode. We had a vet. Yep. And the rain episode, we had a meteorologist. Yeah, we've had a lot lot of fun guests on the show. I was going to say, considering my daughter wants to be both a paleontologist and a veterinarian at the same time, this is going to be 
really great. That's amazing. She must really love animals. Dead and alive. All of them. <laughs> I love that. I love it. If you guys aren't familiar with Momtrage, which is our show, we've talked about you for quite some time. And obviously, because my son is obsessed, Carrie's daughter is obsessed. What do you think it is that kids just love about you so much? Amika, this goes for you, too, because I'm already in love with you just talking to you right now. I think that kids really like hanging out with Blippi and hopefully me too soon is because they are curious, just like us. They're curious. They like to play. They like to discover new things. They like to run and climb and sing and dance and jump and make mistakes, big mistakes. And that's okay. And that's something that my best friend Blippi here does all the time is have fun and learn and yeah. And explore new places. Mika, you're so smart. Thanks, Blippi. I was going to say the same thing with curiosity. You know, we're both very curious and we both like to explore places. And that's definitely something that I think kids love is being able to see the exploration of things. And definitely during the treehouse, we we explore a lot of things and we're curious about something on every single episode. Sebastian, are you ready to ask a question? Yeah. Do you want to ask him what's your favorite place you've been to? Say it loud, okay? What's your favorite place to be to, Brippy? Ooh, that's a very good question, Sebastian. You've been to a lot of places. Yeah, I have. (laughs) And on one of the episodes in Blippi's treehouse, we really wanted to build a swing, you know, like a swing that attaches to a a tree. Yeah. Yeah, and we needed help. And so what we did, we visited a construction site. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and we saw construction trucks and an excavator. Yeah. And we had a real life construction worker help us build this swing. Yeah, and it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a construction site or seen a construction site? Uh, well, I seen a construction site, but I did not be to a construction site. Yeah, and did you get to see a bunch of the vehicles? You've seen an excavator. Yeah. Yep, and yeah. a backhoe and all kinds of yeah. things. Yeah. Those are really cool trucks. They are cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sebby, you want to ask one more question? Why do you go to play places? Ooh, let's see. Why do I go to play places? Probably because they're really fun. Yeah, I love sliding down the slides, going into the ball pits. And even though it says play place, you can still learn so much there, you know, with colors and shapes. Yeah, it's very fun. And actually, on one of the episodes of Blippi's Treehouse, it was rainy. And so do you know what we did when it was rainy outside? Uh, We went to a... Indoor play place! It was really fun. Tell everyone where you can find Blippi's Treehouse. Where can you find Blippi's Treehouse? Yeah, there you go. Good job. Well, you can find Blippi's Treehouse on Amazon Kids Plus. Yep, on December 1st. Exactly. And all you have to do on Amazon Kids Plus is search for my name. Mm -hmm. Will you spell my name with me? Uh, Yeah, are you ready? B-L-I-P-P-I. Blippi. Good job, Sebastian. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us Thank today. Thank you, guys. Sorry, I got emotional. Best of luck with the new show. <laughs> you now have made me so popular among all my nephews and nieces. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, sure. guys. See you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. We are talking to Caitlin Heil, the general manager of Blippi, part of Moonbug Entertainment, and Veronica Pickett, the head of Amazon Kids Plus original series. 
I am dying to know a few production things about this. Firstly, I mean, it's been really interesting to watch Blippi go from general YouTube, obviously doing it himself. You know, Carrie and I are both very much self-starters and create our own work. So we're like, that's an iPhone camera. That's a, and now he's got a clip mic and now we're... Right. The audio's better. The graphics are better. The songs are like more, more produced. They're higher quality. Yeah. yeah. So how did Moonbug get involved? How did Amazon get involved? How did this evolve into something else? First of all, thanks for noticing that we we're upping the quality. <laughs> Moonbug in general is really about identifying properties and special IP that is audience first. And today that really means for the most part, starting on YouTube, especially in the preschool space. And then being able to really take that IP and think about it in a much more mindful value-based way where we're able to really up the quality to your point, right? We are able to create a bit more ownership around original music because we know that's a really important extension of preschool content. And then with sort of an eye, always video first, really thinking about how can we be in more places for more people in the most engaging way possible. And so that's really what we think about with Blippi. Like I said, I'm a parent. I know there's a big responsibility in terms of the kind of content that we want to put in front of other kiddos. If it's not something I wouldn't put in front of my kiddos, then I don't want that in front of others. Um, And so really thinking about it with sort of this whole child lens, which I think we were, Blippi was doing sort of instinctively from the very beginning, but you know, we certainly are continuing to do that with a more mindful learn through play curriculum. As we've been continuing to evolve, right, we've been very excited to partner with Amazon. To date, right, we've really been able to have a show that's really about outwardly going and adventuring outward. And this show is really about inviting our new fans as well as current fans into Blippi's world and really giving them a special experience. And so we're really excited to sort of see this be, you know, by far and away the most premium thing that Blippi's ever done and in a really sort of mindful way that is really sort of like has curiosity at the center of it. From our perspective, it was a really easy decision to partner with Blippi, not just because we have millions of Blippi fans uh, watching today. It's entertaining, but it's also very educational. I think one of the things we really responded to is that learning with him on his cell phone camera out there, man on the street, it's really authentic. It's really natural. It's really fun. But at the same time, he's not shying away from using more technical terms or sophisticated concepts, right? He's telling you about the plane's fuselage and how it's so aerodynamic. And that's what we really wanted to double down on with with a new series. My son got really attached to Blippi during COVID. And I think that was partially because we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go to a play place. We couldn't go learn things. We couldn't go to a museum. And we're still kind of not fully there. Is that something you guys are hearing a lot from parents? Is that, was there a a rise in ratings? Like, can you just tell us a little bit about how COVID really impacted Blippi's trajectory? Yeah, so certainly we saw increased viewership during COVID. I mean, I think core to the brand, right, is really about being as relatable as possible, but just a bit aspirational, right? So really going to like the play places, the kids museums, the zoos, things that kids, you know, have gone to could go to, but you're not going every day. And then also being able to sort of elevate that exactly to Veronica's point earlier, either with the language we use or the locations that we're going to or the talent we collaborate with. But actually, it's been this year that we've seen the most growth with Lippy ever. Grace, what the curiosity and the 
adventure that he's about. We introduced um, Mika, a new character, you know, who is a co-host on Blippi's Treehouse. Fans have been really been supportive of, of her joining the franchise and that's been great for us. And we also have an animated series and there's an animated segment that really um, helps sort of like lean into the curiosity of Blippi in Blippi's Treehouse as well. We've seen phenomenal growth with the brand and I think a lot of parents are also seeing that there's a lot of value and learning. There's a character um, on a, the Rain episode in Blippi's Treehouse who comes on, Evelyn Taft, she's amazing. You know, she comes in and says, I'm a meteorologist. And I think a lot of other kids shows would say, I'm a weather person. And she speaks like to a lot of sort of these really, you know, dynamic and technical terms. So I think the idea of like not shying away, but like looking into the camera, speaking to a kid and respecting the fact that they are then able to take that language and learn from it is kind of the magic sauce. And certainly the Blippi's Treehouse does that in the most magical way to date. Quick question. Originally, I thought maybe I had one too many Chardonnays at the end of the evening when I was with my daughter, but it is one too many. I mean, I think because, you know, sometimes I put it on towards the end of the night when we're getting ready to go to bed. And I thought I saw somebody else who wasn't Blippi, like a Blippi Jr. Can you explain to me? Because at first I was just like, I'm, I texted Ashley. I was like, Ashley, have you seen this other person? No, I texted you and said Sebastian saw the new Blippi and he doesn't know what to do with himself. I need an explanation. Can you tell me about this Blippi in training that is also sometimes now introduced in these later seasons that I know is not on the Amazon treehouse version, but right. Yeah. So I I mentioned a little bit earlier, right, is that our goal with Blippi is really to be as relatable and accessible to everyone as possible. And so it's really about more Blippi and more places for everyone. And when Steven created Blippi, he created it as a character who at its core is really about curiosity and adventure. We really want to bring that character to as many people as possible. And the reality is, is that we need more characters to be able to do that. And Mika, I mean, it's great to see also um, a girl represented. My son who is here and he is being so good because I told him no blippy if you are not good beforehand. My daughter could not be trusted. She's away. She could not be trusted. He is so prepared to come on here and tell Blippi how much he loves him and that he's his best friend. So firstly, thank you because Blippi is something we talk about on the show all the time and we knew we were interviewing Steven in character but we really wanted to get some like some real answers because the parents want to know too, you know? Also, thank you for more content because Lord knows Ashley and I have seen every single I can't. video at least 75 times. So thank you for keeping it I can't it watch fresh. if it's going to sink or float anymore, guys. I can't do Don't it. sink or float. I've seen that like too many times. I think the other result of COVID, right, is that everybody's spending a little bit more time in front of a screen than we thought we might otherwise. And so you're looking for more stuff to watch. You're also looking maybe for more ways to engage and interact, right? Maybe dancing and singing helps or being able to read at the same time. Yep. And that's that's part of what we're trying to do. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can catch Blippi's Treehouse on Amazon Kids Plus starting today, so go check it out. Today's guest is an actress that has been present in my life as long as I can remember. She's a mom and one of the stars of the new, absolutely incredible film, Come On, Come On. Please welcome Gabby Hoffman. You have been such a fixture in my life, and I feel like, in a sense, I've grown up with you. As a child, I saw you in Sleepless in Seattle, Uncle Buck, Field of Dreams, Now and Then, which was like my favorite. And then as you got older, you took on projects like Girls and Transparent, and now Come On, Come On. So I feel like you've gone through these 
as a character in the same place as your life as I am. And now we're both moms at the same time. Do you find that a lot of women kind of just naturally relate to you because of this? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Well, I always know when somebody is a big now and then fan that they're they're usually a few years younger than me. So are you like in your early to mid 30s? And now my late 30s, 36. Oh, well, that's mid 30s. Is it? Okay. All right. All right. We'll go with it. You're about three or four years younger than me. Because when we were making Now and Then, I was 12. And Christina, Ricci, and I, we were going to see Pulp Fiction every weekend at the movie theater for like 17 weekends in a row. That's such good for a teenager's psyche. Yeah. So we were not the Now and Then audience. (laughs) We were like smoking cigarettes and watching Pulp Fiction and, and causing a ruckus. But my sister is... 51. She's or she'll be 51 when I turn 40. She's 11 years older than me. And so I really kind of like, I grew up with my sister and her crowd. So I sort of, I veer older, (laughs) Um, which is, which works for me or has at least. Uh, Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's a certain kind of woman, um, maybe more so that is, um, expresses appreciation, I guess, for seeing somebody that maybe looked a little bit or felt a little bit more like they did. That's what I get more. Yeah, that makes sense. I can understand that. I saw Come On, Come On at the Montclair Film Festival, and I saw it was a date night with my baby daddy. And both of us just were so touched. It's such a beautiful, beautiful film. I have to say your work resonated with me so much um, in the place that I am postpartum, my daughter being three years old. It was so incredibly beautiful. So thank you for that. Thank you. It made my baby daddy do my favorite thing that he does, which is pretend he's not crying (laughs) and just use his shirt to wipe away sweat, which yes, because like (laughs) evidently he doesn't want to. (laughs) Anyway. So in the film, come on, come on, you play the sister of Joaquin Phoenix's character, Johnny, and the mother to nine-year-old Jesse, who is amazing. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners better than I did a little bit about what the film is about and your experience in the film? Well, I'll tell you guys the story of the film, um, and I leave it up to everybody who sees it to determine what they think it's about. And what happens in it is Joaquin's character, Johnny, um, who's a radio journalist, who's in the midst of a nationwide project where he's interviewing kids about the future. His character calls his his sister, played by me, um, on the, the anniversary of their mother's death. And they have been estranged since then. And he happens to catch her in a moment when she is in need of some help because she has to go help her, her baby daddy. He's bipolar and he's having an episode. And so she needs somebody to hang out with her son. So Joaquin, who is the uncle to her son comes and they begin what is in my mind a a love story they've met of course before but they don't know each other and they have an immersive experience both at the child's home and on the road um, in multiple cities in America um, (laughs) wherein they in my mind you know more or less fall in love so uh, and all the while my character is attending to her larger family life and um, sort of weighing in with guidance uh, at times or just an ear at others with her brother. We've both seen the film, but for those people who have not yet, one of the things that I found really fascinating was for me, this story was really about motherhood. And 
how complex that role really is and how there's no guide for moms to get it right, but rather we're kind of just running around, acting out of love, trying to do what's right, juggling all of these different responsibilities. I know you said you were going to say what the synopsis is about, what happens in the story, but does that kind of resonate with you? Does that ring true for you about the film? You know, I think this movie is so dynamic and so rich and deep and complex, even though it's presented with such a delicate, subtle, not simplistic, but kind of um, simple, just it has so much space and time, which to me offers the audience a more interactive and deep experience of watching it because they have time to sort of be in dialogue with themselves. So it, it kind of presents as small and subtle and sweet and about these very simple things. But yes, to me, it's about everything. <laughs> it's certainly about everything that my life is about as a mother. And it's very much about the complexity of, of parenting. I mean, we could say all parenting is mothering, regardless of your gender. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and um, you know, I often get this question, I got it just the other night, about how I feel about the fact that sometimes it seems like, Viv, you're right on the edge of being a bad mother. And I'm always surprised by that. And it's always because it turns out she's not with her kid. And it always prompts this conversation, which I think is a lot of what you're talking about of me saying like, well, being a mother is extremely complicated. And a lot of the time what you're doing might seem contradictory to what the child quote unquote needs in the moment, because taking care of the act of loving isn't always super obvious, right? So like a small example would be your kid desperately wants you to sit down and do a drawing with them and they need your attention and your presence and your focus. But if you don't finish making dinner, they're going to be starving and having a meltdown and then they're not going to get to bed in time. And then the next day they're, you know, actually Viv being away from her kid, taking care of her kid's father so that her kid has a father is an essential act of mothering. And one of the many moments where you're pulled in a thousand different directions, and you have to figure out how to balance it all. It's all such a cliche and it's all so true, right? And so that's happening every second of the day in terms of the, the health of the family, right? That the mother is usually at the center of, regardless of if she has a wonderful partner or not. It just seems to be the case. Or if there's two mothers, I'm sure that those roles find their way. And then there's the actual woman <laughs> and her needs and all that, which usually are an afterthought. God forbid. Yes. I think this movie is very much about all of that. And I think even Joaquin's character is an, an example of this, right? He is parenting, mothering, whatever we want to call it, really for the first time. And through his experience, we're seeing just how complicated it can be almost with this sweet lens of like the novice, right? Right. I often, you know, think about the movie in the terms of like, it's a movie about how hard it is to love and care for each other. Like it's the thing we're here to do as far as I'm concerned. It's the best thing to do. It's the only thing to do, but it's really tricky emotionally, practically, psychologically, physically, like it's hard to caretake. And this is a movie about two people who are both devoted to doing that, caretaking this child, caretaking each other, caretaking their partners, their friends. 
And um, and it shows it in, in all of its complexity. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the reasons why Ashley and I started this podcast is we didn't really see a lot of ourselves reflected in whether it's movies or pod- whatever. I didn't really see a lot of myself. Both of us were reluctant mothers for varying different reasons. And just seeing you portray a woman who's an artist who is raising her kid on her own terms, it really resonated with me because I had a father who was mentally ill, who my mom and I had an uncle that came to live with us to help help raise me. Oh so it was God. really, no wonder it touched me so much. And even just the moments and how you're parenting your kids spoke so much to me. It was yeah. parenting in not a dumbed down way. It was parenting as respecting that soul as an equal. Yep. And the movie had so much to offer. Listen to me, I'm like Siskel and Ebert. Uh, <laughs> the movie had so much to offer because also all those little tiny sections with the kids talking about what they think the future is going to be like. I mean, just so many different layers that make the movie really important. And one of the things, um, Johnny reads this passage in the film from Jacqueline Rose's essay, Mothers on Love and Cruelty. It says, motherhood is the place in our culture where we lodge or rather bury the reality of our own conflicts, of what it means to be fully human. It is the ultimate scapegoat for our personal and political failings, for everything that is wrong with the world, which it becomes the task and unrealizable, of course, of mothers to repair. What are we doing to mothers when they expect them to carry the burden of everything that is hardest to contemplate about society and ourselves. Mothers cannot help but be in touch with the most difficult aspects of any fully lived life. Why on earth should it fall to them to paint these bright and innocent and safe? I had rewind the screener like four times to get that all down because I was just like, this shit is too good. This is too good. That is basically our ethos, period. Is yeah. Why do we have to make it shiny? Why does it have to be like that? And I think just that, I mean, it's not really a question. That was just like one of those awesome moments where like, yeah, Yes. Yes. You know what I think when I hear that today? I think yes. And that's why mothers or those who are mothering, parenting with with a real awake, thoughtful approach should be running the world. Like we know what it's about. We know having this experience about the nuts and bolts of all of it. Um, So, yeah. It's true. And there's a lot in there that is very, very useful that the world seems to need right now. So I will say that I really, really love this movie. And I think that you're interested in seeing a movie that is about this life here and now and all the important things that we're navigating and struggling with and and taking pleasure in and thinking about this is it. And I guess it comes out on November 19th, which is in a few days. Come on, come on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, you two. It was pleasure you can catch gabby in her new film come on come on in theaters now hashtag swag bag okay friends so for hashtag swag bag this week we wanted to do something a little bit different because as you know you have heard from our next guest in the past he is a dear friend of mine and now carries as well and he is a very interesting guy with a lot of interesting things to say and a lot of amazing talents, including animation. And he has just released a new animated short called Bluish based on him. And it's all about uh, his identity as half black, half Jewish. Is that is that a correct uh, assessment, Ezra? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So without further ado, that was quite a little intro, a little impromptu <laughs> intro I did for you. Welcome, Ezra Edmund. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for coming. I always like hanging out with you. And I got to have a real conversation about religion with you last week, which was like 
super fun. It's true. It was fun. <laughs> In-person conversations are intense now. You know, I have a few friends. Firstly, we talk about on the show all the time how I don't really have a lot of friends, but I do have a few that I have real conversations with and I really enjoy them. And Ezra is one of those people. So um, why don't we start off the bat? Tell us about Bluish. Sure. So Bluish is a film, not exactly true to life 100%, but based on my childhood growing up being black and Jewish and feeling, you know, out of place in a lot of settings where um, at least the Jewish people I was around were more um, just white Ashkenazi Jewish people who and a lot of them hadn't really seen black people before or knew that black Jewish people existed. Um, and then also likewise, when I would be around a lot of black people that didn't know that black people could be Jewish, you know, there's just a lot of feeling outside of the lines on that. So it's a film about, you know, accepting each other, fitting in, looking past each other's differences that are like on the surface level to find that um, there's a lot of, you know, similarities that you have in common with each other, even if you can't tell at first, if you just get to know somebody more or just more welcoming to them. I mean, as somebody who went to a Jewish day school from pre-K to fifth grade in all that time, so I was very entrenched in a Jewish community. And in all that time, I met one black Jew. And I remember it was kindergarten. I don't remember his name, but I remember seeing him and being like, huh, never seen that before. So I think what you're doing is so so important. It was inspired because I always felt that way. And then I was at a bookstore a couple years ago and I saw a mom who was Ashkenazi and had um, two kids who were biracial. And she was kind of just, as they were looking through the bookstore, she was like, oh, you know, I wish I could find a book that had these kids in it. And at the time I wanted to like be able to do a drawing or give her a book or be like, here's something. And then I left and I thought like, man, this is something that I would have liked when I was a kid just to have a, you know, a short film. Obviously more than a short film would be really cool too, but at least starting somewhere um, was important and it felt nice to do. And there's obviously a lot more representation now than when I was a kid, but it's always good to keep adding to it. I think it's so important now, especially with, uh, I mean, not to like, Ashley and I talked about this, but we, you know, we sometimes talk about heavy things, but discrimination towards Jews and discrimination towards people of color has been plaguing the world for years. And so to also discuss what it means to maybe feel marginalized and not represented as both a Jew and someone of color is really important for kids to see themselves identified. Totally. So they do not feel marginalized. I completely agree with that. I think that there's so many different ways to be Jewish, whether it's ethnically or by conversion or just, um, you know, by culture and not religiously at all. There's so many different ways and even levels of religion if you are a religiously practicing Jewish person. And I think that a lot of people who aren't Jewish don't understand the range of what it is where so many people think, oh, you have to look this way or, oh, you're all doing this exact same thing or you have these same political views or, you know, any of those things and it's just you know it's it's not monolithic like like every other culture and, and race and ethnicity and it just gets grouped up so much by misunderstandings that it's nice to keep telling more and more stories to show that everybody is their own person and is different and no matter what you're still Jewish. It goes beyond religious versus cultural like usually that's the distinction but there's more shades in between. Although I am not half black um, it is very interesting to me because I was born to a mother who was not Jewish at the time and then converted. So something I've always dealt with is like, oh, you're not really Jewish. And they've certainly done that to my mother who converted. Being a part of a religion, but more a culture in my mind at this point can be so ostracizing, even within its 
very ostracized culture is kind of fascinating to me. So I think the film that you made is just so important for us to see and to show our kids like Sebastian, who is a half-sea, and and Luna, who is a half-sea as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting because just like what you were saying or both of you were saying that, you know, growing up, people would always say to me um, if I was like, oh, I'm Jewish or here I am just walking into a space, not necessarily yelling, hey, I'm Jewish. Um, But people would say like, you know, how are you Jewish? Is it like your mom or your dad or who's the black one? Or, you know, try to like dissect and make it make sense to them. Um, And then people will go, oh, you know, your mom's Jewish, so you're Jewish because like matrilinear Judaism, that's a mouthful. And they'd be like, oh, well, so you're Jewish. And then they kind of discredit the blackness part and be like, oh, okay, you're Jewish because you're fully Jewish, not like you're pretending and you're really black. And then it's funny because, you know, with black identity and and history and the um, one drop rule and all of those things through like American history, any amount of blackness makes you black. So there's both of those sides where people will say like, oh, you're black, like whether you're Jewish or not, but you're black within black community or, oh, you're Jewish because your mom is Jewish. So etc. But each one tries in, in different ways to like low key cut the other one out as opposed to just being accepting like the title bluish is funny because you shouldn't have to be bluish. You're just black and you're Jewish. But I, I, I say I'm half black. I'm half Jewish. The title is half black, half Jewish. And in either way, you should always be Jewish or you should always be black, but you're always all the things and it's never like you're one or the other. So I don't know, the labels bug me, but I used one as my title because I thought it was fitting. So that was all I wanted to add. <laughs> it's catchy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Put it on a t-shirt. Well, listen, friend, congratulations. I am very, very proud of you. I'm glad we can share it with our audience. Happy Hanukkah to you because when this airs, it will be Hanukkah. So plug the film one last time. Tell people where they can find the film. I know you said there's a screening open to everyone. I think on the second, which is the day after this episode comes out and where people can find more information about you because you're wonderful and the world should know about you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and it's great being here. You can find more about Bluish on our Instagram, which is just Instagram at Bluish Short Film, B-L-E-W-I-S-H Short Film. And then there's a website, uh, bluishshortfilm.com, where you can find more about the film as well. And then if you're just looking at me, I'm just Ezra Edmond. So if you Google me, I'll, I'll turn up. Ezra, thank you so, so much. I love you. I appreciate you taking the time of your busy day. No, thank you both. It's so nice to be here. Ashley, it was great seeing you the other day too. And then hopefully we'll all see each other sometime in person soon too. That would be nice. Friends, we really, really hope you enjoyed our holiday entertainment episode. And let's just continue rolling with this good energy throughout the holiday season. Yeah, guys. And happy Hanukkah. See you next week. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 